Yo, what up, what up, y'all? You are listening to another episode of Behind the Baller Podcast. This is episode 113. I am your host, Ben Baller. Not Ben the Baller, not Ben Ballin, just Ben Baller. A.K.A. the Korean Lee Neeson. A.K.A. the Korean John Cusack. But never, ever, the Korean Stephen A. Smith. Yo, what's good, everybody? Uh, just want to let you know... Um, Yo, we are really for real 113 episodes in deep Shout out to the Dust Brothers Jordan, Miles For that HD Super 8K Clarity sound um, Every week, two times Twice a week, you already know Monday and Thursday, 12 noon Pacific time We bring it to you, straight up We cover everything Free game, current issues Sports, of course now the hobby Entertainment Whatever Pretty much though Trying to navigate you guys You know what I'm saying Down the right path But sometimes You gotta be that lone wolf And create your own path That was me So you know What works for me And what worked for me Might not work for you But I'm just gonna share my stories And that's what it is And right now We're still on that Asian excellence So we shall continue Highlighting My yellow brothers and sisters We'll get into that in a second. We've got a special guest. And this is the weekend wrap-up. You know, again, we don't really do yes in the weekend wrap-up, but this is a must. You feel me? My bro, uh, we got a crazy... We got fucking Gary V coming up. Um, I got a bunch of athletes that I, I didn't want to, you know, interview early on because I was like, yo, I'd rather see you in person. And now it's like, look, I'm not going to discuss COVID this episode. I know the cases are going down, but at the same time, people out partying like it ain't shit. And uh, it, I don't know, man. It's a weird fucking thing. It's been a weird year. But uh, I'm not really taking the chances. Um, it is hotter than a motherfucking gangbang. It's hotter than a cuckold. Is that how you pronounce it? Cuckold? Cuckold? When the motherfucking uh, goofy-ass dude watches his wife smash someone else. This is hotter than a cuckold in Woodland Hills with gilfs involved. Yes, I said gilfs. All right, what's good? <laughs> By the way, real quick, man. I got a short PSA. There's something I was thinking about, wrote down some lines. There are too many soft-ass goofies in the world, okay? It's not like some like breaking news, just letting you know. But there's a war going on outside, all right? Soft-ass goofies versus the OG real ones, okay? The goofies, they tell the teacher, they tattletale. They tell the police. They call the attorney. That's the first thing they do. They call for help, all right? Real ones, we don't call nobody. We don't wait. We handle shit. We get down right there. We get down right there at that moment, all right? Every trophy that a real one has ever gotten in life was earned. Goofies, they got their trophies by simply participating. And that's it. That was my PSA. Yo, how about them Lakers, man? <laughs> We're going to get into sports first, man. No hobby yet. just want to talk about sports real quick because I'm still hyped up about this motherfucking Laker win. Look, man, fuck Vogel. Man, this motherfucker's so hard-headed, man. I just don't even get it. I really don't understand, especially running against this very unique, you know, five right here. It's a small setup. These dudes are small, fast, and, you know, they don't really have a fucking big man. P.J. Tucker's my guy. But, like, look, man, at this point, you know, I'm not the type of guy, and you can call me a hater. I'm not the type of person to completely just dick suck or highlight any player's 
on an opposing team. When you're a rival, you're a rival. Now, if you're out there killing motherfuckers, I mean, you out there assassinating people, hey, I'll give you your props. But if you're just out there doing whatever, I don't give a fuck what your attributes are. I don't give a fuck what you're good at. Look, Austin Rivers is a personal friend of mine. This is my guy. I motherfucking have made this dude his engagement ring. Like, this is my boy. You know what I'm saying? But right now, it's fuck Austin Rivers. Russ Westbrook just got my, one of my cars in the pandemic. Me and Russ been boys for a minute. Fuck Russ. All right? James Harden flew me out to Houston. You know, got me a Adidas check, whatever. Look, fuck James. Anyways, going on. The starting lineup just wasn't it. And I knew immediately, I was like, yo, man, this dude's fucking tripping. And you know, it's like, come on, man. I'm not even... I'm t- I couldn't write up plays. That's not my thing. But I played organized basketball, played in college, played in high school. I just don't understand Vogel's mentality when you already know we got our ass kicked last game. This is a different type of team, right, from Portland or whatever. And they got shooters. They got dudes who are out there getting hot and whatever. But it's like when he saw what was working, we were up a motherfucking 22 points. And then he goes back to that fuck shit. And next thing you know, like— I'm eating some motherfucking uh, Granville, had a pork chop last night, and uh, I literally start finishing my food. I come back, and all of a sudden, we're down by five. I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? And it's like, you don't have motherfucking Markeith Morris in this motherfucker? Like, yo, this dude scored fucking, what, 14 points in two, three minutes? Like, come on, man, get him the fuck back in here, you know? But anyways, we got the W. I wasn't very happy about the W. But we got it. Look, I really do think we're going to take this out in five, six max. But it's not going to be easy because Vogel's on some other shit. I don't know what's going on. But what's crazy is Westbrook right now is playing just completely out of control. I don't know what the fuck is going on with him. He can't make a shot to save his life. Real talk. This is, I'm talking, one of the greatest basketball athletes I've ever seen. Hard in the paint, aggressive, everything. I don't know what the fuck is going on with dude right now. But I have never seen Russ get his shit thrown this many times ever. And I paid attention a little bit because my father-in-law was an OKC fan for a very long time. I've never seen Russ get his shit thrown this much, and mostly by LeBron. But I'm talking about your shit. Th- like, bro, you're the, that great of an athlete. You're an all-star, and you're getting your shit tossed, snuffed. Just, man, like, come on, bro. This is crazy. You know what I'm saying? And like... Um, Harden's doing his thing, right? But you got other motherfuckers stepping. It's just some bullshit. We, we're, we're really playing like ass. And I don't know what the fuck's going on with Dwight. I don't know if Dwight's hurt, but fuck Dwight. He's soft, man. He needs his, He still kind of pisses me off. But um, Waiters is fucking uh, is out. I don't know what happened to him. Um, who else is fucking injured, man? I know JaVale's injured. Um, we just need to step our shit up, man. KCP kind of played, but yo, Rajon Rondo. Playoff Rajon Rondo. I'll take him any day of the motherfucking week in the fucking playoffs over playoff P. You know what? I don't really want to see the Clippers in the motherfucking in the Western Finals, but you know, if that's what happens, cool. Let it fucking be. Playoff P is fucking bullshit. But yo, playoff Rondo, he really showed motherfuckers what time it was. I would say in the last four or five years, I definitely haven't been the most casual Laker fucking fan. Do you know what I'm saying? I watch all the big games and I definitely watch every single playoff game, period. But we haven't been in the playoffs like that. So, you know, during the Kobe era, you know, I watched every single game, you know, didn't matter what the fuck it was. And uh, now it's just like a, it's just a weird situation. You know, like I'm rooting for fucking LeBron 
And uh, it's more of a team thing, right? I'm not really, and I had these weird thoughts throughout the day and I'm like, yo, I've had beef with this motherfucker for so long, I didn't like him. And now I just feel like just with his agent and the people that are in his circle and people he really fucks with in, or in real life, like I'm getting, I feel like, I mean, I've always been a degree of separation away from any of these people, but now I feel like it's, and I'm not manifesting it. In fact, if anything, I'm wishing against it. But I just feel like when the pandemic is over or something, I'm going to finally run into this motherfucker again. And not at Drake's concert where he shoulder bumps me. I'm going to like run into him and it's going to be weird. And I'm just not going to, I'm still just going to be like, I don't know, because it's, I'm like, I was so upset and I can't remember exactly the specific reason why. And that's why just stupid shit could get the best of you. Even someone like me, which I'm the fucking picture of hater, right? You know what I'm saying? You look at the definition, right? But at the same time, you know, I'm not really the definition of it. I could be the picture of it, but I'm not the definition of it because I do help out. I do help a lot of people and I do a lot of good. Um, it's just when I fuck, don't fuck with you, I really don't fuck with you. When I don't fuck with you, I wish death upon you. I wish every possible bad thing you could think of. But yeah, man, um, we'll see what happens. That game one, I don't know what's up with us with game ones, man. We just be on that bullshit when it comes. Lakers in game ones, like in this shit right here, man, I, I, I don't know. But look, game three, we gonna strap that bitch up. We gonna get the fuck, you know, we gonna get it popping. Um, I want to real, real, like, real quick. I need to talk about motherfucking Miami, and this. Uh, I want to talk about this fucking Miami situation versus fucking uh, Milwaukee. This shit is just they don't make no damn sense to me. Look, I didn't fuck with Milwaukee when they went, you know, last year when they, you know, and you know, since Giannis was really heating up in the last couple of years. But look, man, I, I don't really fuck with dude. Right? He definitely has some good games, whatever. But he's starting to feel real, um, what's the motherfucking word, man? It's not Larry Johnson. Who am I fucking thinking of? He just ain't, I don't know, man. Something about Giannis, Giannis sucks, bro. I'm not trying, I don't give a fuck about the MVP bullshit. I don't give a fuck about none of that. Look, I'm sorry he got an injury. Fuck that too. You know, greatness defeats all that shit. You see Kobe, all of them, they rose above any of that shit. I just don't know, man. Someone could shoot your mom and Kobe and Jordan are going for blood. They're going, period. They don't give a fuck. You know, I, I don't know about this, man. I feel like, I don't feel like Giannis is going to win any kind of shit unless he jumps on another team, someone else. He could win fucking five in a row. I'm just not fucking with him. I don't know what it is with him. This is some bullshit. And then he gets injured and then Miami decided to kind of get soft and then fucking lose a game. Like, this is just some, some bullshit, man. Some corny ass shit. Um, sidebar, NBA 2K21 is out. So NBA 2021 is out. Um, I'm in the game, of course, again. Um, I got a three-year deal with NBA 2K. I was in the game last year. But now, like, you can play with me in, in the playground and all this shit and everything. Um, shout out to Ronnie 2K. Shout out to NBA 2K. And uh, I might have actually have Ronnie on the show. We're going to sit and rap about a few things. Anyways, oh yeah, you know what? Um, they gave me this beautiful, beautiful, like, uh, for being a part of the game, they gave me this beautiful, like, display box, and it had these uh, Power Beats, black, brand new Power Beat wireless head, uh, headphones, and um, these glasses that were perfect for London, again, in London, and then they had this really heavy plaque. It was like five pounds. It was made out of fucking um, Lucite. Lucite is like a much higher, elegant version of plexiglass. And uh, I had a beautiful thing of Kobe on it, but I just don't have the space. I'm getting rid of shit. You know, I'm selling toys. I'm just getting rid of things. I'm trying to clean everything up, closet, everything closed, really simplifying my life. 
You know, I cut down the fat in the cars, went from seven cars now to four cars. Four cars is going to eventually get to three. And three is going to be the standard unless I move to San Francisco. If we move to San Francisco, then there's going to be two cars, and that's just what's going to be. So I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do about having a hypercar out there. I'm going to have to figure that out. Maybe, you know what? My boy Mark Arsenal, he has, a, um, and my boy Dave, he ha- they have a, a garage they rent out in San Francisco that, I forgot how much it is, but you could just rent out a garage space, you know, and, and it's easier. But I, more so, it's not about the garage space, because most of the houses I've been looking at, the houses I've been looking at have three, four parking spaces in the garage. It's the hills, especially with a fucking hypercar is going to be super low. And the way I drive any car. Um, anyways, that's it for that. On the football. I just wanted to say this real quick because, you know, I know rap. I know the Dust Brothers. They fuck with it. Um, my boy Scott Feranda, he is the Seahawks correspondent for Behind the Baller podcast. Um, I can't fuck with fantasy football. That is just not my thing. And I'm sorry. Look, I could be possibly blocking a check, blocking a bag. I just don't fuck with it. So my boys, my boy Josh Richmond, he's been playing fantasy football for 23 plus years. More than that, I don't know. And I'm not scared. So I'm like, oh, you're just scared. I, I just can't, I can't do it. One, I don't have the time or do I want to put an extra effort that again, I don't have into other players that are not in the Seahawks. Like that's just weird to me. Like I just don't, nah, I'm, just, I'm cool. Like I'm already fucking, in, I'm, I'm in the hobby now collecting cards and all this other shit. Like I don't, and I have a fucking, obviously I fucking, I have a cannabis business, which I need to tend more time to. I have a fucking jewelry, which I need to probably do more to. By the way, again, the Snickers chain is going to be all over the motherfucking place. Um, like, it's about to be heavy every motherfucking weekend. This Thursday when NFL season starts, you're going to see that Snickers chain all over the fucking place. Back to fantasy football. Just can't do it. Cannot do it. That's not for me. You want fantasy football, go uh, Mike Rapport. He's the dude, right? But I just can't see myself dick riding and worried about other people's on defense, especially like the way, oh, well, I got this guy, I got quarterback for this, I'm drafting, fuck that. It just sounds weird to me, and I just, nah, it's not me. I don't want to get into it. It's too late in the game for me. I'm not, I'm not fucking with it. I'm fucking with the Seahawks when it comes to NFL, and that's it. Speaking of the Seahawks, fuck Jadavian Clowney, all right? Fuck Clowney. It's exactly, his name is exactly who he is. He's a fucking clown, all right? That's just some bullshit. It's just like, you wait this motherfucking long, like, bro, you ain't in practice or whatever. It's just, like, it's just stupid. It, and I don't know what, where your mentality is. And people are like, you don't know what the fuck. And I don't. But you know what? You're talking about contenders. We are contenders. There's no doubt about that. The Seahawks are NFL Super Bowl contenders, period. All right? You are a key part of our fucking defense. And you came in and that shit right in time for that motherfucking Niners game too. Right in that Niners game at Levi's, man, when we fucking, man, and we played like shit that game. We still tapped that ass. But Clowny, fuck you. Like, you fucking weirdo, man. You have your chef cook a private dinner for you and Sean Payton, and then you go sign with the Titans. It's just fucking weird, man. I can't rock with dude. And just just the whole roller coaster drama and shit, like, nah, fuck you, bro. But yo, congrats to my boy Josh Gordon. Flash, that's my dude. That's really my guy right there, right? I hate people saying, oh, tell him to stop smoking weed. I'm like, the motherfucker, the greatest athletes in the world smoke weed on a regular basis. It's legal in Seattle, in Washington State, and in California. It's just not federally legal, but whatever. It's just fucking stupid. But the NFL is opening up to CBD and other things. Hopefully that shit doesn't, you know, I don't know, man. I don't even look at it like a bruise or anything. 
Um, obviously, I guess Josh uh, Gordon is reinstated. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure, but I know that we re-signed him, so I don't know how the fuck that all works out. But I'm excited because our receiver core is no joke. We are about to fuck this shit up. I hope Disley is 100%. Um, yo, we, we, yo, someone was saying something the other day about tight ends, and the tight end game wasn't really that crazy, but in the last couple of years, it is crazy. Like, tight end is like, like that's like the position to be on the offense. But um, again, man, we're still contenders, and I stand by it on the Hawks. I'm excited. Yo, um, I just wanted to say real quick, man, you know, I was on Twitter, and uh, people were talking about making gambles, make, you know, taking risks. And, uh, you know, I quoted the Dalai Lama on Twitter. I said, remember that great love and great achievements involve great risk. Okay. That means you get your motherfucking heart broken. You're going to take some L's and all that shit. All right. And people are like, well, how much do you risk these days and how many mistakes do you make now? And I was like, you know, the ones that don't matter. You know, like, you know, saying something out of pocket or, you know, saying something I know might be taken out of context or, you know, um, running a stop sign when people are like, whoa, well, shit, you can run a stop sign and hit something. No, I would never do it like that. I right? always going to be focused, always going to see a thousand yards in front of me. If I'm speeding, like I said before, from riding motorcycles, I'm always thinking, all right, look at man, someone's going to hit me now. So I'm always on, on the prepare. I'm always on the defense, offense, everything. All right. If I think, you know, I'm running, just smashing in the car, motorcycle, whatever the fuck I'm in, any vehicle, and I'm in an open road, I'm thinking, you know what, a squirrel or a cat's going to run out any moment, boom, and it could hit me, especially when you're going that fast. Anyways, going on, I'm always focused like surround sound, but I make mistakes. It's just that I have a bigger lead in life than most people do, okay? So I can sacrifice a few fuck-ups, all right? I can fuck up more than the average man can but I won't take those big risks anymore. I have zero interest in being a billionaire. I have no aspirations to become a billionaire. A few years ago, I said, look, man, my goal is to make, you know, uh, a G a day profit. And then, well, this is a long time ago. And then, you know, after I finally hit, a, you know, a mill ticket, I was like, all right, well, my G is to clear five Js a day. Let me make $5,000 a day. Boom. Let me do it every single day. Sunday too included. If I make 60 bands on one day, yeah, that gave me a little oxygen there. But on the average, I had to take home five. And if I didn't make five, I'd have to try to make it back up. And then it got to let me clear six figures a week. And once I started doing that, I started realizing, all right, cool, this is possible. But when you get to the billion dollar level, it's got to be some fluke shit. All right, you have to be either the most incredibly talented person, the one in a, one in a trillion. You got to be Kobe. You got to be uh, Jordan. You know, you got to be LeBron, maybe whatever. But I'm talking about it's some whole other shit like Messi or Krista, um, Ronaldo and fucking uh, Neymar. People like, it's just, it's real rare. Or you got to be Elon Musk. You have to be in tech or something, but it's just different. I have zero aspiration to be a billionaire. I want to be a dad. I want to be here. I want to remember my kids. It's more important than anything in the world. But again, that's not to discourage you guys to not go out there and everything else. People always say, stop leaving money on the table. Don't leave money here and there. Look, man, there's a lot of paper out there. And I've already said that. You can leave money out there. Now, you don't leave money when you don't have the money. That's the situation, okay? You have to be able to always have slack, right? When you have some reserve in the tank, you got to make sure that you're good. 
If you aren't, then you got to go fucking hard. When you got nothing left in the tank, you got to go past E. That's just how simple and plain. But I just wanted to address that because some people were really liking some of the tweets I had said over the weekend. And right about now, look, man, we got an OC bread, OC meaning Orange County. Some of you motherfuckers are not from here. You're from... Could be from Czechoslovakia and from fucking Australia and other shit and everything else. I realize I do have a good listener fan base in, in California, but a lot of people aren't from here. So a lot of people don't know about OC. A lot of people know about a lot of shit. But we have an OC, Orange County bred, Vietnamese, true entrepreneur coming on the show right now. Goes by the name Chris Leverage. He's really, I, I admire this dude more and more. And he's really low key. And I wanted him on here because one, he's Asian. Two, he's really motherfucking doing it. Three, he's about that daddy gang. So, yo, Miles, man, cue some of that LL. Yeah, that at Lakey inspired. And we'll be right back with uh, my boy Chris. listening to behind the baller we have uh another special asian guest in the house we're keeping up with this asian excellence theme we got my boy chris the leverage in the house man yo chris what's good bro oh what's good brother how are you how you been i'm good man uh real quick how do you pronounce your last name doc uh it's no uh g kind of silent okay i never understood how i actually never knew how to pronounce crazy all the vietnamese friends those are like the most difficult last names to fucking pronounce and shit i mean 80 percent of them are on the wins so, so as long as you can say no win, right, you're good. Yeah, and Tran. And Tran. So uh, real quick, man, tell the people why you're on the show. I mean, obviously, you're an entrepreneur, you, um, but just very shortly, break down your, your conglomerate that you have going on. Oh, man, um, I, own a fa- I own a pretty much a fashion house, so we pretty much are vertical. So we have, uh, we have wholesale distribution. We actually have... Uh, eight portfolio brands that we own, Embellish, Chris, House of Junior, Lifted Anchors, uh, Richie Lee Collection, Dice Arts Monday, uh, and Carter Collection, to name a few. And within that, we have uh, multiple factories that we work with overseas. Uh, we own the Wash House. Uh, we have a distribution sales team here. Uh, we have in-house sales reps. I have a, a team in Miami. We have a team in New York. Um, and we have our own 30,000 square feet logistics company that we do, uh, that we own, that we do all of our own pick and pull and everything too. So it's out here in Irvine. So pretty much from A to Z, we do everything. So even marketing, right? Yeah. Even marketing. We have a marketing team that we do a lot of, uh, a lot of promotions, product placements, um, you know, social media, digital, everything, everything is all in-house. So you guys are full service as far as anything with fashion, you guys are full service from, from bottom to top. And you even have a, a brick and mortar store, correct? Uh, we had a brick and mortar store that was out in La, La Brea for a cool minute, but right now uh, we recently closed it. It was a, it was a pop up, but we closed about like a year and a half ago. Okay, well, I mean, it's probably smarter, you know. Yeah, I'm the only asshole who has a store in Beverly Hills who's fucking expanding. <laughs> I'm going twice the size during the pandemic. It's the stupidest thing in the world, but you know, I, I'm I'm not the smartest businessman. I'm just crazy. Um, <laughs> so, bro, continue on with Asian excellence. That's a big. I mean, bro, you have everything. You know, and a lot of people that listen to this, don't take this the wrong way, probably never heard of fucking none of this shit before. And that doesn't matter. 
one of some of the dopest things I, I've realized traveling the earth is how fucking small people's minds are, how small USA is, how small, if you only think America, how small you're thinking. Because you go to China and there could be a brand that's doing really well and nobody's fucking heard of it. They don't mean shit. You know, it's like you just, there's a lot of money out there. I tell people all the time, but you got to go out there and put your name on it, you know? True. So with that said, you know, congrats, first of all, because I've seen you move for the last uh, about five years now. And um, I just wanted to ask you, what makes you proudest about being Vietnamese? I'll tell you this right now. Like I recently was watching this movie uh, like last week. It was called, uh, it was called The Snowfall. And what it was is like, you know, the story about the refugee and like how he came over here. And so like every Vietnamese person, no matter who the fuck you are, um, you have a story of how your family got here. So, you know, obviously my family came over here um, probably in like 82, but most Vietnamese Americans came over here in like in 75. And that story's wild. Like literally uh, we came over here on a fucking boat. You know, obviously people literally packed up and just got here. So some of the stories that you have from refugee people and a lot of people that don't know is that most of the people died or a lot of the people have family members that died getting here. And so, you know, like uh, for me and where we come from is with this whole Vietnamese excellence thing is that, you know, if my parents could do that and how the fuck can I not make it over here? So, you know, for us, for me, I'm always pushing Vietnamese excellence and all that, too, just because I know the story and the background about how tough it was for us to get over here. No, for sure. So what's been the biggest struggle so far? I think the biggest struggle that we always kind of face is always capital. You know what I'm saying? Capital is always the biggest thing. Cause like, yo, if I had the money that I had now, I, I had the idea and the concept, but I didn't have that then, you know? Um, and for, and for me, um, you know, quite frankly, I've never borrowed a cent from one, one person to start my business at all. So there, we currently to this day, you know, we're, you know, uh, the process that we're, we're running the business that we, we do, we don't, we've never borrowed money from the bank. We've never taken a loan. We've never done anything. Me and my business partner, everything we've done has been flips. So, you know, when we started our business, you know, me and him, um, we started our company with $700 and $700 was our, was our business license. And for us, we're like, okay, well, how can we do a business and make as much money as possible without putting out money? So we're like, okay, let's start as sales reps. So, you know, me and my business partner, we've you know, we've been sales reps for a minute, but we started a sales agency. And what we did is we represented other people. And so what we did is, you know, we, we middleman. You know, at the end of the day, no one ever fucks with, no one ever talks about the middleman. The middleman is the most important person in a, any transaction, right? It's it's the damn truth. Well, and so for us, listen, I, I, I tweeted that. And then um, this is like years ago. And this was when Nipsey was still alive. And Nipsey had set a line like, fuck the middleman. I'm like, hey, man, I'm tell you real quick though, Nip. You know damn well that there was a middleman between me and you meeting, and there's this and that, and this. Look, man, there's gonna be somebody, and there's there is the derogatory term middlemaning. But when you really think about the connector, that's a big deal. So go on. I'm sorry, just saying it's important in business, guys. No, for sure. And so for us, you know, we had these relationships with these stores as sales reps. Um, and so what we did was, you know, we were working with brands and selling them, putting them into stores, and just taking a cut of the commission. And so that's how we were able to. You know, stock, you know, like I said, stack our paper. So, you know, we were able to stack our paper enough to eventually start our own brand. And so from starting our own brand, um, that's how we got here. So obviously, you know, me and my business partner, everything in our bank account, you know, we just poured everything out and we started our first brand and that was Embellish. Um, and then from Embellish to Success, you know, fuck, we put in Embellish to Success, we rolled it. We just kept on rolling the money over and over and over to start other brands and, you know, Wait, other no, avenues. You didn't have any private investors or at least private, like some VCs at all? Anybody coming in? 
Never. And not till this day. Everything is still independently Even House funded. Of JR? By, yes, everything is independently funded through us. Oh shit. Uh-huh. Yeah. So oh. like I've like I've been in business for eight years with the leverage. We started in 2012. Until this day, we are positive on our cash sheet. We don't owe shit to anybody. Damn. Maybe give me a job, dog. I need a job. <laughs> you, need to give, you need to give me a job. Come on, man. <laughs> so where did you where'd you learn the game then? Like, I mean, real shit. This is like you can't learn this in school, bro. Like, really, I mean, you know, you could, but come on, the trial and error shit is so much more. Like, like where did you learn your you know at most of this? I'll tell you this. I mean, obviously for me, sales has always been like the number one thing. Um, funny stories as a kid. I was like the only Vietnamese kid, uh, one of the few Vietnamese kids in like a like predominantly all Mexican um, uh, school, elementary school. And I used to actually sell them a cup of noodles. You know what I'm saying? So we would like the bag, the bag of silver noodles, actually. So in a box of noodles, 20 bags in a box. And I would sell them for like a dollar a pop. The box only costs five bucks. And so my mom would front me that money and I would go to school and sell these uh, kids like, yo, here's here's a noodle. Here's a noodle. Here's a noodle. And that's all I would do. I would just I would always be used to just buying low and selling high. And then coming from there, you know, I got into high school and then, you know, high school, you know, we, we were just doing crazy shit, just like shoplifting shoes, shoplifting fucking like fossil watches and reselling that shit. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you know what I'm saying? You know, what's funny is, is, is real quick. It's so funny because I had the damn near exact same story. But, you know, you don't think about it like, OK, first of all, like, bro, stealing was such or shoplifting stealing it was such a big deal. Part of like my, my childhood and stuff. And like, I would never in a, like I, if like. Anybody, let's say you or one of your homies had like a watch, you know, just out blatantly and, and open or had like, let's say a million in cash. Like, bro, I'm not, I don't even care. Like, I'm not thinking about that. You feel me? Like, it's not any, I'm not even thinking about taking from anyone, but it's so crazy how back then any kind of a come up, oh shit, you know, we can get this, this and this. And it's like, you know, for a flip or whatever it is, it's just crazy how it starts there. And then you realize, all right, dog, like we ain't doing that shit no more. Some people don't get out of that. You know, they're, they're petty theft all their lives. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, when I was younger, I never stole from people. I stole from stores. I mean, even though it's bad, you know what I'm saying? No, I get I it. I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously from there, you know, I had an obsession with sneakers and I was like a big time sneaker reseller uh, back in the day. And obviously, you know, this is during the, the ISS forum days. And so for me, it was a Nike dunk. So like I was in college just reselling Nike dunks like Let's just say like anything with a silver box came out, I would buy multiple pairs of them and I would just cash out, run it on my credit card. Uh, flip it and then take that money and just uh, pay off my credit card debt um, and just use those funds and you know and th- that was that. Did and you ever then, talk to? Did you ever talk to Steve from InStyle Shoes or no? Who? Steve. He's the founder of ISS. Did you ever end up? No, I didn't. I, I didn't talk to Steve from ISS. I mean, do you remember that those days? Like when I was like yeah. doing enormous flips and just selling fucking box fucking U-Haul full of trucks, shoes and shit, just. Well, I know you were big on Nike Talk, and you had the whole Mags crew, and I know that was big, and I used to lurk that, but, but I was always on the ISS one. Yeah. No, I'm just saying, like, you know, just doing the dunks and shit. So, again, one more time. How many brands do you have currently under under the leverage umbrella? Uh, eight brands. Okay. And House of JR, man, that's, that's how I knew you. You know, so I've obviously, um, through your sister-in-law, you know, she had gifted me some stuff, and I was like, whoa, boom. I ended up actually buying the stuff, and, um, you know, it's weird. A lot of people do send me some great things. You know, I'm talking about shit. It could be Amiri. It could even be Gucci. Gucci's gifting me stuff, you know, and Dior and stuff. But really, I buy what I want. It's something like, I think House of JR was the first time I saw something to where, one, it was Asian-owned. Two, it was on the level of Gucci. It was on the cool level of 
uh, Fear God. And uh, it was something I started buying. You know, I started buying for my kids, you know, and I don't want to ask you guys for any other favors, whatever. You know, you gave me a couple things here and there. And, and on top of that, I don't want to bug Anna about it. But, um, you know, that was what caught my eye with you. And yeah, then I said, okay, I was like, who the fuck is this dude? And I was like, all right, man, the coolest dude's on the radar here. And of course, you know, once you deep dive into something, you start realizing, man, the world is a small place, especially the garment industry. And you start seeing that. So, you know, obviously, again, salute. You know, people always think like, oh, man, you know, I got a T-shirt. I got, I got a fucking, uh, I got a clothing brand. You know, I'm in fashion. I'm like, oh, you do what you do. Motherfucker screen prints T-shirts and hoodies and you know what I mean? And go send them out. Look, no disrespect to antisocial. And, you know, no disrespect to a brand under the umbrella of a company I'm involved in, Aug, you know, um, V-Loan. But V-Loan, actually, we do do cut and sew stuff. I'm saying, like, the antisocial, though, it's amazing what Nick has done. And that's, like, my homie since he was 13 years old, you know, since he was fucking 13, 14 when I met this dude. And um, for the most part, besides him, which is one in a billion, you know, you can't call yourself a fashion brand if you're not doing cut and sew. You're not doing denim. You're not doing something. And you did all of it. So yeah. I gotta like you know I gotta salute you again and um, what you th- what do you think your biggest accomplishment in life is so far? Oh man, I honestly think my biggest I think my biggest uh, accomplishment in life is just my family. Like right now, obviously you you and I are both the same. I mean we're family man. We have exactly the same same amount of kids uh, born exactly the same amount of time. So like yeah. for for me, I was a fucking knucklehead growing up. Obviously doing stupid shit, getting in trouble. Um, even before me getting engaged and even having my uh, and getting engaged and having my kids, I was doing some stupid ass shit. I mean, obviously for me, um, having my kids, looking at them and being like, yo, you know, you got to turn your way around. You got to do something. You got to leave a legacy. And so for me, it's always about like the way I work, the way I talk, the way I perceive myself. How would my children uh, feel later on when they know that uh, know about what their dad does or how people talk about their dad? And so for me, it's always about, you know, making sure the shit that I do now is going to carry on for my kids later on. Yeah, no, but bro, listen, dog, I don't know what you used to do, and I don't know how crazy you are. I don't know you then, but you couldn't have been a dog. I was ignorant, bro. Like, I should have been had HIV like 15 times, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I should have been shot 100,000 times. I should have gotten killed. Like, I was just a fool. You name it, from motorcycles to drugs to everything, I was just retarded. But definitely my kids saved my life, and that's, uh, I didn't know. It was kind of 50-50. I said, is he going to go to family room? Is he going to go into a, you know, what he's at with leverage? But yeah, that's the smart answer, and you know, that's just my personal opinion. But I got a question, man. So, you know, um, it's good that I didn't know how much, you know, I, I do know that you're very active and you're very, you, you embrace your Vietnamese culture. I know that. 100%. But how do you feel about other Asians in the game? Like in the past, present, like crooks, my boy Jonas, LRG, rest in peace. Uh, Ruigi is killing it now. You know what I mean? Jeff Staple. Like, where do you see them? Or more importantly, do you have any inspirations in the business, in any business period that are Asian? Anybody who's Asian? I'll tell you this, man. I idolize Jonas. And if anybody ever asks, who do you idolize? I idolize Jonas. The first time I saw the dude, it was at a trade show. And my man is wearing a fucking no shirt, mink coat, getting uh, escorted in with like 30 guys into a club. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? You know, I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there in like 2004, 2005. And I'm just. And I'm with him. Yeah, <laughs> you, right you were with him. You had that big ass California uh, chain on you at the time. And, you know, I'm 22, 23 at the time. And I'm just like, I'm just sitting there for like hours trying to get in this club. And this dude, they just part the fucking, uh, they part like the fucking Red Sea. And I'm like, who the fuck is that? And they're like, that's Jonas. And so I started doing more research on Jonas. And honestly, he's a godfather of streetwear. I mean, at the end of the day, he's part, uh, you know, what he's did for the culture and what he's did for the brand and everything too. It's never going to be fucking um, emulated, period, ever. 
ever. I don't. I don't think so either. I yeah. even think you know, in certain ways, I think he's a. Damn, in certain ways, he's more influential than Pharrell is because it was a different thing. You know, wasn't he didn't use a celebrity status. He used mm-hmm. it was straight design and, and you know in and, and brains. And um, not to say that Pharrell isn't brilliant. I'm just saying like you know he was just so fly. And I don't say that because he was my best friend of my entire life. Mm-hmm. I say that because. I mean, this guy was Vietnamese and didn't know anything about Vietnamese people because he was raised by an Italian family and he adopted. But then when he found that out, he's like, all right, man, I need to get into my Asian roots and boom. And we got into it. I was like, yo, bro, you got to, because guess what? Whether you don't speak it, whether you never, you know, you don't know this here and there, bro, people are looking at you in a certain way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it don't yeah. matter, you know, because there's white people that are born in Japan that don't speak English. They only speak Japanese. They look crazy, whatever. Boom. Look, dog, you're here. Yeah. You know? Embrace it. People are going to look at you and call you a gook and whatever the fuck it is. So, you know, take it. But he was like the first person I've ever seen fucking with Balenciaga. He's fucking with just, he's just always been on some real fly shit design from like literally from bicycles to furniture to, I mean, he really just had it. So that's dope that that was somebody um that you looked to, you know, yeah. looked up to him. Yeah. There's also, there's also a few other people too. It's also Dennis at Crooks. He's, uh, he's paved the way too. Um, and obviously he's one of the few guys and when I came in the industry, he never acted like a cool guy. You know, anytime I had a question or said anything, he was always there willing to listen, give advice. And he's always still been a big brother to me to this day. So I still, I still look at him like a person that, you know, paved the way. And in terms of me looking at other Asians in the industry, I love seeing Asians win. That's the thing. There's a lot of people that fucking hate it when another Asian man is doing this or that. I don't give a fuck what you're nah, doing. Hell no. You know, the thing is, I, like, I tell my friends at the time, too. I got, I got friends that do illegal stuff. I got friends that do legal stuff. I don't give a fuck what you do. As long as you're fucking making a bag, moving weight, whether it's legal or illegal, it's all good. I like seeing Asian guys win. When I see an Asian guy out there flossing with money, that's cool with me. It's none of my business. Yeah. If I see an Asian guy whipping a nice whip, I fucking love it. You know what I'm saying? I'm not yeah. the type of person that's gonna hate on any other man's success. No, for sure. I'll approach a person. Like that's how I approach Matt, Mike, and Pat, and like and Calvin. Even though Calvin looked like he just ate a cat, that <laughs> motherfucker straight up dog. That motherfucker, his haircut is gonna be the straight up. You know, it's, it's damn near he just go to an Asian barber and be like, yo, I need an Asian cut. That's just basically what he's had. And I love Calvin to death. He listens to the show. He's that's my dog. But like, you know what I mean? Like Calvin looks like he just fucking left Lee sandwiches. Like he's just crazy, man. I Lee, mean, that's. I mean, those are my boys, man. I mean, shout out to like Patrick, Mike, and Calvin. And That's my fam, yeah. Guys. I know they are. I mean, and I love those dudes. I mean, they're really good, good guys. And the good thing about them is like every time I talk to them, it's like it's like guys talking to you normally, not counting your pockets. Because like, you know, the position where I'm at, it's like a lot of the times when people talk to me, I, I can't tell if you're being genuine or you're just trying to count my pockets. And you get that all the time. All the time, bro. All the time. And, and yeah, normal. you know, like, like it, you know, it, uh, no, they're smart dudes, very shrewd businessmen, very good people. Um, I would have never gotten in business with anybody who was just, you know, but still, the, the good dudes, and I, I get it, you know. And um, shout out to Andy Nguyen, fucking uh, afters and all them. Even I decided to approach these guys because, you know, they were killing with fucking afters so hard. I mean, you know, and obviously, you know, the relationship with me and Andy, me and Andy go way back. I used to be his uh, loan officer when he was an appraiser. And when he started I'm King, I was his sales rep. And so, you know, me and Andy, it's like big brother, little brother. I mean, till this day. I didn't know that, no. No, yeah. So till this day, me and Andy are still doing a, cu- a couple of projects. I'm opening up a card shop uh, at his store. Uh, what's it called? Uh, Rodeo 39. So that's a new project that he's doing. And, you know, I just I just started diving heavily into cards and, you know, I'm opening up a hobby shop. So it's going to be open within a month. Bro, you know, what a great business. You already know. We, we can't even get into that. That's a whole different, that's a four-hour conversation with me, bro. You don't want to. <laughs> I know. That's going to be fucking way, way, way too long. You don't even want to get into that. Like, I can't even believe that there's, 
I didn't want to get into it. That's a whole different question. But you know, yeah, shout out to Andy and um, you know, you had you had mentioned to me before prior, you know, like very uh subtly, just just subtle and just just being just kind of like, oh, you know, you you said you had a chip on your shoulder, like you know, I got a fucking boulder on my shoulder <laughs> to this day, dog. Yeah, Do you know what I'm saying, like, bro. You know, I, I for, some, okay, look it, I forget that I got eight figures liquid. Do you know what I mean? Like free yeah. and clear. And then on top of that, I always be like, yo, man, that's just not enough. And it stresses me out, right? Mm-hmm. But I still have this big, gigantic boulder on my shoulder. But when you said you had a chip, why? Well, why do you have a chip on your shoulder? I mean, my chip on my shoulder is always being uh, growing up poor. You know what I'm saying? And it's like I look at some of the moves that other people do, and it's all a lot of like hand-me-downs. You know, like obviously growing up poor, you have this big ass chip on your shoulders because like everything you do, you're trying to prove yourself. You know, like like every single move in the industry, the fact that I'm Asian, I don't have the capital. um, I didn't grow up with a rich family. And it's always everything you do. You're doing it just to prove yourself. Like, you know, making my first M, you know, buying this Rolex, buying this Aventador, buying this house. You know, for me, for me, the final point was getting on Forbes. Getting on Forbes was the was my final point where I'm like, fuck, I finally fucking made it, you know, and just getting, <laughs> right. you know, like like getting recognized because like we've never been recognized. Yeah, I own multiple brands. Yeah, I've done this and that. But the thing is, I'm not in the limelight. I'm not in the clubs. I'm not, you know, I'm not out partying. I'm not in fucking Paris. I'm not in New York. I'm not this. I'm at home. I'm in Orange County. I'm working. I'm with my family. I'm with my team. I'm with my wife. You know, I don't care about that. So that's the reason why for me, I've always worked with a chip on my shoulder because I always have something to prove. Because at the same time, if I'm not working with a chip on my shoulder, uh, if I look back, somebody's going to try to fucking get my spot. You know what it is. If you're, yeah, if for you're, sure. if you're comfortable... Bro. I don't like seeing nobody in my rearview mirror. When I did Mike Tyson's show, he said, hey, man, you should see them in my rearview mirror because they're there for a reason. I'm like, nah, dog. I want to be way lapsed. I don't want to see nobody in my rearview because they're getting too close then. You feel me? Like, I don't want to see that shit. And look, even though the people who are listening, I would say 99.9% of the people that are listening right now, they have no idea what I'm talking about or what I'm about to say. They'll have no idea, right? And there was there was like, man, there wasn't even no beef. There wasn't even no motherfucking... Uh, there was Vietnamese French baguette bread between us. There, there was no beef, you know what I'm saying? But there yeah, was like yeah. a little bit of a, a small little timeout, right? Yeah. And yeah, again, yeah. look at you didn't know the whole story. Yeah. I'm an easy target. Just understand that. One, I'm not a nice person. <laughs> Two, um, you know, I love when you know what I'm saying when people are frowning. That makes me smile. Like you know, I'm I'm because I, I had it so hard, and I tell people all the time, yo, if they made it easy for me. I would have made it easy for you, but it's not like that. So, you know, I, w- I had to go through shit, so you're going to go through shit. So, like, I'm an easy target. So, with that said, you're not knowing much except whatever folklore is out there or any kind of rumors or any kind of anything. You know, we had, as much as you know, we had a cool relationship. Now, you know, there's whatever hearsay. There's weird business going on here and there. I want you to tell the people, <laughs> all right, when you figured out that I really wasn't the culprit and like, you know what I'm saying? Like I showed you a receipt to, you know, a current receipt, like within days, like five, six days of seeing you, of me buying something. Like, why would the fuck, I wouldn't support your brand if I didn't fuck with you, you feel me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so tell like, like, honestly, the situation and obviously the story you're talking about is uh, the whole situation when you had superism and everything and I had Hasa Jr., you know? Um, and yeah. yeah, when you kind of started it too, you know, people were saying this and that, and it was a situation where obviously your partners, I'm not going to say what names it was saying yeah, that that's what I'm saying. Don't, don't, yeah, we, we won't say any names. I want to throw it under the bus, but they were saying that 
you had come into a factory, said, stole our bodies and told the factories to say, hey, you can no longer do House of Junior because we're going to start a kid's brand. And then obviously at a trade show, I went to your booth. I looked at your stuff. I put it right next to mine. And then I figured out that you guys took our bodies. And then, you know, obviously your partners, they said the same thing. They were just like, yo, you know, it was Ben's idea. And so, you know, for <laughs> it was Ben's idea. And, and obviously for me, that was that, you know, that was that. I was like, what the fuck? I barely even know Ben that well. And this is, this is when me and you were just like more or less acquaintances, you know what I'm we're saying? Acquaintances, straight up. Yeah, yeah. And so at that time, that, that's when I approached you and I was like, yo, what's good? You're like, what the fuck is going on? You know? And then that's obviously, you know, when you blasted out the message and you're like, what the fuck? You know, I know your sister, da, da, da. And then it, it was mad weird. But then, you know, eventually when we sat down, talked like men, you know, we figured out what it was. You got thrown under the bus. And then that's that's what it was. You got thrown under the bus. But what I'm saying is a lot of times some people are like, yo, man, you're too big for this. Why you reply back to people here and there? Now, look at Doug. I admit sometimes I do reply to people that don't need a reply. But you have to make that decision and say, hey, you know what? This guy deserves some discussion. There needs to be conversation. Grown men need to have a conversation. I need to show this dude. You had a lot of emotion in you. I was like, yo, bro. I'm going to end up punching Cena and it's, and he's not going to deserve it yeah, because yeah, yeah. he does. He's just having your back for the whatever reason. And it's like, bro, there could be words, you know, taken out of context and you don't know what the energy is. I say that all the time. I could text you be like, hey, Chris, fuck you. And you'd be like, what the fuck did I do? Why did I, I was, what, bro? I forgot I even text you. Bro, I was just joking. Like, fuck you. I say fuck you like good morning to people. You feel me? Like, <laughs> yeah, you it. would never know. How could you tell from a text? It's impossible to get the emotion out of there. So when we had the conversation, I just want you to understand that like, I want these people to understand that how easy it could have been for two Asian entrepreneurs to go battle each other over some stupid shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, obviously we squared it up. You know, obviously my team had some issues with your team. And then, you know, it trickled and shit like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, me and you are good. That's all that fucking matters. You know what I'm saying? No, because um, sure. I'm saying, I'm just, I'm, yeah. all I'm saying is I didn't trip like that. Yeah. But when I saw how emotional you got over it, I was like, hold on, bro. Let me show you something real quick, dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, look at this. This is all I can show you. These are receipts I can show you. I'm not a Photoshop type of dude. I'm not a Facetune type motherfucker. I never post dope cars. Look, there's yep. dudes who love cars. They, get, they post their homies' cars. Post their, no, that's never me, bro. Do you want to know why? Because I'm already getting scrutiny over shit. I'm one of those rare guys that only post things that I own. Yeah. I don't post things that I rent. You know, Airbnb is a little different, but I'm talking about, you know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to, I'm, not, I'm serious though. I'm not trying to make anybody think that I'm perpetrating a fraud. Never in life. But I just wanted yeah. to just say that out there because people should know that there's some more history. I think that that brought us maybe a little better together. And I said, you know what? I even told Mike, I say, bro, maybe, you know, there might be something weird, but I said, you know what though? I'd rather let it chill and then boom. And then you realize, you know, like, hey man, how much of a dick can Ben really be? Well, you get to know me and, you know, and, and you realize, no, nah, I, I get why Ben is why he is. And that's why I asked about the chip on the shoulder thing. And, and, and I have one all the time. So I get it. But speaking of superism, speaking of House of JR and everything else, tell these people what the fuck it's really like in real China. I'm talking about Dongguan. Like, please explain to these people the level of poverty, how fucked up it is out there. Like, seriously, tell them. I need you just, just in your description, please. This is long because, like, obviously, at one point I was going to mainland China, Guangzhou, Guangzhou for like about like every two and a half months, and it's bad out there. You know what I'm saying? It's obviously bad out there. the The level of uh, air terrible. You know, the level of like the eating, the the quality of meat, the quality of life. 
it's just it, the personal space, people pooping and pissing and shit on the streets right in front of you. And it's like you can't really kind of kind of trust some of the shit that you eat. Um, it's mad sad. You know, it, it gotten better since 2012, uh, the weather and all the other shit too with like the pollution and everything. But like overall, I mean, like mainland China is probably one of the worst places you can possibly live, live at and even visit. I mean, if you're not doing anything in terms of like garments or textile or electronics, yeah. you know, I wouldn't go out there for no reason at all. It's not a place for you to go on vacation. That's for sure. Just go to Hong Kong. You know what the saddest part of Dongguan was? What? Seeing 3,000 kids in the middle of the street, just anyone could get hit any moment. 80-year-old lady carrying three kids on a scooter and like like the most unsafe possible environment for a child and they're just out running in the streets like, yo, what the fuck? I mean, you know? I mean, I've seen some shit out there, you know? I've, yeah, no, I see, I saw, yeah. I've seen some shit out there. I mean, I've seen people driving around in motorcycles with a pig on their back. You know, I've yeah. seen animals. I like, saw the kids running. I saw chickens yeah. and dogs and like these people running. I'm like, yo, and they're not paying it no mind. It's just like as if, like, like I pay a fly of mind. Like there's fly, like I'm outside of the patio. Get that fly the fuck out of here. They weren't even tripping that this motherfucker had a chicken, a fucking dog that had like three legs. And like, it's just crazy out there, bro. Yeah, man. But, um, do me a favor, man. Do you remember the fabric market, the infamous fabric market in Guangzhou? Yeah, the, the fabric market uh, with the textiles and everything. Yeah. Yeah, bro. Is there any fucking place in America that could even come close to that place, dude? Zero. That's the reason. That's the reason why <laughs> it's zero. That's the reason why people do stuff overseas in China because the fabrics that we have out here is next to nothing compared to the shit out there. Like literally, bro. literally, it's like a, a Costco times like thirty. Oh, come on, bro. It's like South Coast Plaza, seven levels high of Costco. Like it. I sat there and could, I was dumbfounded. I FaceTimed my sister. My sister's big in fashion fan. I'm talking like mm -hmm. different way left. Wait, no, I'm like a punk. I'm, I'm, I'm a scrub. She's like really dealing with the highest of the highest end, you know? Yeah. And it comes across some people's, you know, think about the top fashion people. You think of Kim Jones. I'm talking about all the big, big people. Not anybody newer. I'm talking about even before because Kim Jones was an intern, you know, under Mark Jacobs and this and that. And these people... We're asking my sister, like, yo, where the fuck is that? And they're real designers at LV and St. Laurent. They're like, oh, we know where that is. Yeah. And I was like, damn, do. this place is, yeah, of course, because it's like legendary, dude. Yeah, but of I just course they do. They, I, I'm talking about everything from silk, fleece, denim, suede, like, Crop, everything. Every, everything is there. Every fucking <laughs> thing is there. <laughs> and even that, you can get some bow. You know, you can get fucking little little pork bows and shit. You get like a fucking skewers and shit, right? Just to send on street food. Or right, right on the side, right on the side. And then the, get a stomach egg after with the chicken feet. And hey, hey, and then no bathroom. You gotta take a shit in like a piss stall. Like it's just oh my god. Oh uh, no, no, not even ever. a piss stall, bro. You're talking about a fucking hole in the uh, yeah. hole in the ground. Yeah, hole in the ground. It's just terrible. And I'm like, oh my god. I'm like I'd rather just hold it. Um, so totally on a different subject now, but the same, obviously, you know, still going to stay on the Asian, uh, non-excellence. Do you think that xenophobia amongst Asians has gotten much worse during the pandemic? I mean, of course, because obviously at the same time, they blame China for the whole thing. And the thing is, the thing is, you don't understand, you know, growing up in Santa Ana, they called, I'm Vietnamese. So every Vietnamese or every Asian person is called Chino. It's Chinese. Yeah, it's Chinese. And so it got to the point where we were all lumped in. It was almost like 9-11 where even if you're Pakistanian, Israeli or whatever, you're Middle Eastern. You know what I'm saying? You could and, be fucking – you could be African. You know what I'm saying? From Egypt. And you were a turban anything, you're, you're – yeah, you're a terrorist. Immediately. Yeah. And so that was what it was. It was like they lumped everybody in. Korean, 
Cambodian, Thai, Vietnamese, you're all Chinese, and you're the reason why we're here. And I, I was watching this on all like the uh, the IGs, the social medias. You know, um, my buddy that owns that uh, what is it, Asians Never Die IG. I was paying attention to all his shit, and we were just getting it bad from everywhere. Yeah, you know, people, people, really bad. People getting beat in like Philly. People getting uh, old men getting beat in San Francisco. San Francisco. It, yeah, it, it, it was wild, bro. It, it was a really really crazy time. That's why I'm just like, all right, I wish motherfucker would come to me because, like, you know, I'm not docile. I go out there, crack a motherfucker's head open. <laughs> but um, speaking of COVID, man, has your business kind of taken a little bit of a hit because of COVID or is it you guys adjusted? Like, I mean, you know, honestly, thank God that we adjusted and we were able to, like, uh, paddle through this. Um, and a lot of the stuff that we've, uh, we've been doing is just moving collections uh, to different parts. And, you know, when we opened up back in May, uh, we, were, we were very, very uh, fortunate to have, like, a lot of our stores be able to open and do curbside pickups. And I'm just happy. Like, at the end of the day, like, I can't sit here and say I'm fucking killing it. And I can't sit here and say, like, you know, we're fucking uh, we're not doing well. I'm just happy that we're still here in 2020 and we're able to get into 2021. Because, like, yo, a lot of people that I don't know, I do know in the industry right now, they're literally in a situation where everyone, their business is closed. They got to fire people. And it sucks. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's fucked up. And, and honestly, right now, it's not a time to sit here and try to brag like I'm fucking killing it. Because, you know, there's you got to be sensitive about it because there's people that aren't, you know? Bro, let me ask you something, Doug. You, you followed me enough even before the beef, whatever, here and there. Think about it. Just think about the last three years, okay? Uh-huh. Do you notice, unless it's like a, a paid endorsement for the NFL or something, or Major League Baseball, it's my family. You see me posting anything that's not work? I'm being honest with you. Mm-hmm. Just my family. Bro, did, did you, do you see me post my new car? My last four cars? No. You know what I mean? Like, because it's it's super insensitive, and I get it, dude. People are doing bad. Yeah, yeah. You know? My story, it disappears at the 24 hours. Sometimes I don't even let it go to 24. Mostly it's close friends. Yeah. You know, I really don't show it like that, like, and I'm really being kind of selective. Bro, because I understand, dog. You know, some people really don't get it. They're like, yo, yeah, I may be a dick at the same time. I'm not a cocksucker, you know? <laughs> like, you know, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a scumbag. I'm not a piece of shit. It's two different things. You have to get the fine line between those two, and, and like, that's good that you feel that way, and, you know, and, um... No, Chris, you're a real decent dude, man, for real. Um, do you invest in anything outside your business? Do you fuck with stocks? Do you fuck with anything else? Gold, anything? Bitcoin? Honestly, for me, like, I collect. I collect all sorts of stupid shit. Obviously, the whole playing cards, right? And for me, anything financial-wise, like, my wife's, like, my wife's the brains of the fucking uh, operations between us. And so, you know, whatever she oh, wants shit. to do. shit. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. You know, obviously, I'm a fucking air. I'm pretty much the artist. So, I just do the work. Give her the money and she figures out what the fuck we want to do. Well, whether we're investing in a property, whether we're doing it in stocks or whatever it is. The only thing that she allows me to do, you know, buy a couple whips, buy a couple watches, you know, you know, uh, fuck around and just hang out with my buddies. That's a, that's about it. That's like the, the extent of me investing. Um, I have a handful of businesses that I'm a silent owner in. You know, I won't talk about those. But like, no, you, know, uh, all good. you know, overall for me, the only thing that I ever try to focus on is clothing and pa- fashion because I know that like the back of my hand. And I know guys that start fucking around and doing other shit, that's when they start fucking shit up. You know, like, okay, if you're, if you're, let's just say if you're in the restaurant industry and the next thing you know, you want to be, you want to get into fucking, let's just movies. say, movies, you know, I'm like, it's two different fucking things. It's not the same. You don't, you don't run a restaurant like you run a fucking movie. And so for me, for me, I know I'm good at fashion. I know I'm good at clothes. I know I'm good at distribution. I'm going to stay in this lane. You know, it's exactly what it is. It's like you got to stay in your lane and make sure that you do it right. You don't want to look like an idiot out there just doing all sorts of shit and taking a bunch of L's. So then let me ask you, man, how do you manage being a dad hands on and also being an entrepreneur? Bro, I'm built different. Like I'm really, really built. different. <laughs> like I'll tell you, I'm built different. Like 
Uh, I wake up every morning at 5.30, 6 o'clock. I'm like a fucking robot. If I don't do the same shit uh, every single day, it throws me off. So I wake up in the morning. I go to the gym. The minute I go from the gym, I come home. I take my kids to uh, to school. After I take my kids to school, I get into work 8.30-ish. I stay at work until 8.30 till like 4, 4.30. Uh, after that, it's just family time. Right now, I'm running a kids basketball program. Um on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I'm just training a bunch of five and seven year olds. And then after that, it's done at six. Come home, have dinner, watch some TV, um, and shit. Uh, go to sleep, and it's the same shit every single day. So for me, it's like if I don't have a routine, uh, then it fucks me up. And so that's just how I am. I'm just fucking built different. I'm built like a fucking robot. Do you smoke or drink at all? I drink. I drink on the weekends, but you know, okay. like I, okay. I, I, no, I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I have my thing. I have my rules too. From Monday to Friday, I don't do any of that shit because. I need to stay focused because I have other people that depend on me from my kids, my family, employees. Like I don't like I, I rarely ever miss a day of fucking work. I show up every single fucking day. I rarely ever fucking call off. And if I ever do, it's for fucking an emergency. If I'm sick, which I really am, or it's business related. I'm I'm the same. You'll catch me at the same place every single fucking day. No, that's good. I like that. That's look, man, I, I love I had so much instability. Do you know what I mean? In, in my life, and insta- I just was, un- I was so unstable with my grow up. It's just I moved around, got kicked out of so many schools. If anything, I just like kicking it now. Yeah, How yeah. How old are you now, Chris? 30, you? Uh, 38. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Where do you see yourself, like, where would you ideally want to see yourself when you turn 45? 45. Honestly, at 45, like, what the structure that I'm building right now, I want to be able to hand it over and just oversee what we're doing. You know, right now, I really enjoy what we're doing, which is, like, creating all these brands and helping out these young designers. Um, obviously, I just launched uh, a couple new ones. Uh, Diet Starts Monday. Uh, What's up, Davin? Club Paradise with Louie and uh, Louie. You know Louie. Louie and Matt. And then uh, I recently just started working with the guys, uh, Richie Lee Collection with Richie and Tan. And so we're just trying to groom them just to make sure that the whole look is right, making sure the distribution's right, product's right, uh, making sure the quality's right, making sure um, A to Z is all good. And so, you know, I run the business like the way uh, a record producer does it, you know, just like this is the house. We have everything and you guys are the artists and we give you the platform. No, it's fucking amazing, bro. It's amazing. You know, my last question for you, bro, is fucking yeah. funny, man. Yo, are you fucking really related to that fucking one, two, three Vietnamese dude? Seriously? Uh, like he's um, <laughs> him, him. Yo, so him and his him and my mom are from the same fucking village back in Vietnam. Um, so no, nah, I'm, I'm fucking I, I'm not related to him, bro. <laughs> I'm fucking not related to him. But the funny thing was, yo, um, he. He started, he started following me because I was Vietnamese. And then one of my boy is actually uh, friends with his, uh, his whole YouTube team in Vietnam. And I was like, yo, Danny, you got to give me a fucking shout out, bro. And then when he found out that I was actually Vietnamese, he did it for free. My, my guy is charging 1500 a shout out right now. That shit is so fucking like, because it went so viral that even like my daughter's godfather, he's like, he's cool, but like, and he knows things, but then he has so much he doesn't know. But like, when it went that viral and it hit a Lebanese dude in Washington, D.C., and he sends this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. I was like, oh, God, God, I can't believe you know this dude. Um, actually, yo, man. You know, he charted, right? No, I didn't. He charted on, he, he charted on iTunes. <laughs> the, the song's called 41. Fuck. <laughs> I, he, my, my, my man charted on fucking iTunes, bro. Yo, the first person to blow him up was Lil Duval, my boy Lil Duval, the comedian. He was the first person to blow him up. Like, he just blew up. Out. But in, anyways, man, yo, look at every single guest who comes on here, you listen to the show enough. The actual final question of every interview is, uh, is there anything you want to ask me? Yeah. Um, where the fuck do you see yourself in five years? Oh, less than five. Five years, I'm chilling, dog. Like, 
I'd say, I mean, I thought at 50 I'd retire, but definitely 51, I'm done, bro. I don't want to work. I don't want to see anybody working. I don't want to see, man, I don't want to see nothing. I just want to, I, bro, I busted my ass for so many years, so long. I don't want to call any shots. I don't want to tell nobody nothing. I want to live off of mutual funds, real estate, my gold, any kind of even just liquid shit. I don't want, I'm not trying to make any more money. I don't want to invest in any businesses. I don't want to have conversations anymore. I might just write on a piece of paper or I'm only talking to Siri from now on. If you're in my direct family, I'm talking to Siri and Siri's going to fucking talk to you. Like I'm not, in fact, you know, I mean, I might not walk anymore, you know? I might just have somebody piggyback ride. I don't want to touch the floor anymore. I don't want to like, I don't want to do nothing anymore. I don't want to slap anybody. I don't want to do shit. In five years, bro, I want to just be chilling. I want to drink water. I want to get in better shape. And I want to just kind of be a dad, you know? That's it. Fuck, I mean, that's some pretty decent goals. Yeah, I mean, bro, I'm, I'm fucking, I'm 48 now, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, you yeah. know, so it's, it's, I just, I've just lived, I lived a lot of life. I've lived three or four lifetimes. I'm just, I'm over it. Shit, you don't look a day over 47, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Chris. Duma. Um, all right, hey, y'all, ladies and gentlemen, that, that's my man, Chris the Leverage. Chris, no. Uh, hey, bro, seriously, I really appreciate it. This is fucking probably one of the best interviews we've done. And, and on top of that, I'm so proud of you because you are Asian and, and you've done so much more. I've, you've accomplished way more than I have. I haven't done shit in life. You know what I'm saying? So, like, shut your ass. <laughs> shut your ass. Yo, Miles, man, throw on some Lakey Lake and let's get out of here. Yo, what up, y'all? So uh, we're back, and uh, yo, big shout out to my boy Chris again. Hope you guys liked that interview. Um, that meant a lot to me, and I'm gonna try to continue. I know I got uh, Gary V coming up this week. Um, even if I don't get Gary V this week, it'd just be too close to try to uh, fit some other people in. But I got like my boy Oday Abushi. He's uh, used to play for the Seahawks. I don't know who the fuck he plays for now. He's jumped around a lot of teams, but he, the good thing is he's playing, and uh, his sister, his blood sister, is running for. Um, uh, assistant DA or she's running for district attorney for in New York City I don't know but but she's cool I got people on different levels this is no joke right now with this election year it's getting serious but she will put me up on a lot of game and put you guys up on a lot of game because there's a lot of shit that I don't know about when it comes to um, laws and fucking um, propositions and all kinds of other things but that's something I want everyone to know because I've gone through life navigating without having to know too much I do know the law to a certain extent I've you know I hate the fact that I have an attorney on retainer but she would be a good guest to fill all you people in and um just with a lot of shit that's going on in the world anyways uh look man someone asked me about platonic relationships the other day and uh I won't lie to you when I was younger Yes, any girl that looked cool, I was trying to fuck, period. That was just my thing, and that was where I was. Again, you're talking about someone who's 17, 18, 19 to 23, whatever, you know, men are immature. You know, when you get to a certain age and you start to realize, you know, you like people, it's okay to be with someone that, you know, that has a crush on you. It's good for your ego, right? But at the same time, you know, you know how to play game. You, it's just a fine line when you don't want to fucking flirt with disaster and cross that, that line and, you know, step out of bounds, but it is okay to like someone from the opposite sex and not want to fuck them. It is the truth. I'm straight up right now. Meaning, you could be cool with someone. Your wife could be cool with somebody. 
my wife could have, my wife has guy friends. I don't give a fuck. I don't even think about them. I don't even care about none of that. One of my wife's closest guy friends is my real estate agent who is cool as hell and everything, right? And then she has another friend who's gay. I don't give a fuck if he wasn't. Um, you know, that shit is going to fuck up your relationships when you start acting jealous and, you know, and have just envy in your heart and everything. It's just not my thing. Again, I'm in a different position, right? I have no reason to be envious of anybody else or nothing. I don't count nobody else's pockets. You know, I pick and poke and yap and talk my shit, but never as you remember from episode 100, my wife said, I don't, I'm not a jealous person. I don't trip. And, um, she doesn't either. And I do know at a certain point, it's got to be tough. I know a lot of beautiful women, right? But I don't cross that line. And, you know, that's just, just something that, you know, I want you guys to understand because I have a wide audience. You know, I know I have people who are 17, 16, you know, listen, listen to me. I have people who are in their twenties. I got a really big fan base between like that 25 to 38 age group, right? And um, I got a lot of younger people, of course, too, and I have a lot of older people. I got guys in my 40s listening to this. And a lot of people, they might be book smart. They might have got better grades. They might have did more schooling. They might have got, you know, um, postgraduate education and whatever. They might not have the same life experience. They might have life experience. They might not have the travel experience. There's all types of things. I'm just sharing any kind of wisdom I have. And with that said, look, man, guys, if your girl's friend with a cool dude, she's going to want to be friends with them regardless. Do you know what I mean? So just fucking let them, let her be friends, okay? If something's going on, you trying to stop it is not going to make it any better. It was already doomed from there, do you know? You want to be with a girl who is cool with everyone. And I don't mean it like that. You don't want to be with a fucking girl who doesn't know, uh, who is cool with your enemies and shit like that or just, you know, steps out of bounds with a motherfucker you ain't fucking with and she'd be cool with whatever, blah, blah. Look, man, I'm just letting you know simply, Someone asked me, could guys be friends with girls? And I said, yes, they could, 100%. Now, I think it takes a very mature person, and I do think that they should be, you know, now, <laughs> a better question is, could a single guy? Yeah, I still think you could. I just think that it's, you know, it's a lot harder. <laughs> uh, yo, this Saturday, that is, uh, what is the date here? I think it's the 12th, right? This Saturday, September 12th, at 7 a.m. is the next PML Quick Strike. If you don't know, we have been doing these now for over seven years. First PML Quick Strike was, I believe, in either late 2012 or early 2013. PML Quick Strike, PML stands for Platinum Motorsport Lifestyle. I would say there's about seven, eight members of PML, official members. I am one of them. Uh, Platinum Motorsport is... Obviously, my biggest motorsport car endorsement in the in, in life in period since 2004. I've been fucking with George and Jack and Sammy and uh, Rob now too, Rob Wang, who handles obviously the Quick Strikes. And uh, Quick Strike is when we all meet up, exotic cars. Now, the thing is, at the meets, there will be Vipers, um, Mustangs, you know, Chargers, uh, Challengers, Demons, Hellcats, some Rolls Royces, but a lot of BMW M3, M5s, M4s. Uh, there's going to be a lot of C63s, C-classes, um, E-class, E63s, AMGs, but there's also going to be a lot of exotics. There's McLarens, Lamborghinis, Ferraris, and all that such and such. Some people bring out Bugattis. A lot of crazy things pull out. But because of what's been going on, obviously, um, you know, 
this is going to be a big quick strike because we just want to go have fun. We're going to meet up at 7, at 8 a.m. We take off. We're going to head to Orange County. We're going to head to Newport Beach. And uh, we're meeting up at Platinum Collision Center on Sunset Boulevard. That's right between La Brea and Fairfax. So if you are game, come through. I'm having a pre-meet, you know, pre-meet up for the little convoy with some of my homies. I already filled up all the spaces. So um, I got my boy getting tiny's going to come through. Um, I'm obviously bringing out the K-Town Destroyer 8, which is the Black Mamba, a.k.a. McLaren Senna. And uh, we're going to have a good motherfucking time. We need everyone to be safe. Please make sure if you're coming, you can wear a mask. It is free. And no one can come to the, to the Quick Strike and, you know, just hang out. Parking's going to be a motherfucker. There will be police everywhere and whatever. But just make sure you wear a mask. That's all I need to make sure you guys do. Um, all right. So let's get into the hobby real quick. Uh, shout out to Angel Navarro. I don't know what city Angel Navarro is in, but he did win the number two chain, the Derek Jeter chain. Um, I don't know how many Derek Jeter cards he bought. I don't know what the fuck he got. But he posted on his Facebook that he was really excited that he won. And yo, bro, you won a chain. So that's fucking awesome. Um, shout out to all the winners who bought my um, my Ted Williams card, which had a print run of 7,169, I believe. You know, I gave out 26 prizes. I gave out two Blake Jameson, Mike Trout, dual autographs, his autograph, my autograph, and um, those were $3,000 each. They sold out last week on my site. And uh, we gave out two of those. And we gave out one box of tops. Ben Ball did the chain. I'm sorry. Ben Ball did the card. Uh, Chrome. And uh, when I say one box, we gave out, uh, opened it up and cracked it open. There's 24 packs in a box. By the way, my tops Chrome is still out of fucking control. Um, it's due to ship at the end of this week. And again, listen, there was only thousands of boxes made. You know, it's never, nothing's even this rare. Uh, top Sapphire Chrome isn't this rare. So people have been kind of like pick my brain. I'm like, yo, look at it. It's between 6,500 and 8,500. I can't really say too much. Before. I don't think Topps even wants me to say that much. But just know it is the rarest uh, Chrome set that's ever come out. That's why it's still going for seven, $800. And it's going to be going for more because people are going to crack open boxes and rip fucking dope ass superfractors and one-on-ones and everything. But I want you guys to know that early this week, the people who won, we emailed everybody, 24 people will have packs of cards before anybody gets a box, before the Montgomery winners, Montgomery Club, anyone, even before me. But I get my boxes really soon too, and I can't wait to crack open some more shit. Maybe I'll throw some more YouTube videos up. I don't know exactly, but look at man. My Mattingly has shipped. Some people already have it. I expect to get my Don Mattingly this week. That means that Project 2020 Tops is fucking shipping fast as fuck, okay? Because I already got my, you know, my Mariano Rivera. And um, the crazy thing with Rivera is we haven't even done the fucking autos yet. I'm gonna do the autos this week. I don't know for sure if I'm going to sell the autos this Friday. I might wanna give it a little bit of time to marinate because we're just catching up. Now it's catching up really fast, right? And the Manly ship. So pretty much, I know the Maguire is going to ship like in a week or two. And then Tony Gwynn. And then we're going to be caught up. I really think in about one month or less, we are going to be fully caught up with 2020. So as soon as you order, we're ordering in real time. And we're going to get these autographs and everything going. But yeah, the Derek Jeter autographs, they sold out really fast. Appreciate everybody who did it. I just want you guys to know right now, we're getting weird messages on... Um, on Shopify when something is high fraud and everything else. And then I get people saying, oh, my son used my card and blah, blah, and can't afford this. Look, 
understand this, and this is just for obviously the people who are, are my podcast listeners, there is a, a notice on the bottom of the front page of bbdtc.com and it says, no refunds, no cancellations. All right, guys, yo, every time now in the last two weeks, we've been getting two or three people saying, oh, my, my son used the card or I forgot to, look, man, there's no more of that shit. And I got obviously every bit of fucking, you know, excuse and I have all the fucking backup and all the reasoning that I can get back with my bank. Look, don't go on no motherfucking grown man ass site and buy something and then be like, yo, I can't buy it. it you know, they're going to sell regardless. That's happened three or four times and immediately they just, they sell out again right after that when I put them back up. But the issue is I'm paying taxes on each card and fees. So on some of these cards, I might be paying like, you know, a hundred bucks or whatever the fuck it may be. It's a little bit of a bitch. So I'm just letting you guys know there's no more cancellations. There's no refunds. Stop with the fucking excuses. Someone still, everyone has a fucking excuse. I don't want to hear it. But the Mattingly's will ship soon. I'm going to catch up with the autographs as well. Um, Tony Gwynn, if you bought my Tony Gwynn card and you didn't buy it off eBay, you bought it from Tops. I want you to send a screenshot of your purchase from your email. Because when you buy any Tops of cards, you get an email. Send your Tony Gwynn purchase proof of purchase screenshot to benballdidthecard at gmail.com. We're going to give away a um, a Cuban link this week for uh, the Tony Gwynn card. And I'm going to be doing a giveaway for every single card I do. My next card coming up in a week or so is Bob Gibson. And, uh, you know, I'll be dropping a card every two weeks until December hits and then my last card's there. And then we got a, little, we got a couple of surprises coming up for Tops Project 2020, which I can't talk about, but uh, officially with Tops. But um, yeah, so we're giving away that Cuban. And then just so you know, for my final card, the 20th card will be Ken Griffey Jr., a.k.a. The Kid. I am giving out a fully iced out, sick-ass Seattle Mariners S logo. It is fucking dope as fuck. I would love it to go to a, um, a real Seattle fan that lives in Seattle, but we'll see how, how it plays out. And uh, I just want you to know, the Derek Jeter chain was totally random, just like the gold one-on-one cards, but you know what? It takes so long for these people to get it that that's why I'm handling the giveaways now and I want to give them away kind of in real time so people don't have to wait you know, more than a week or two at max for them to get the prize. And I want to encourage people to go out there and buy the cards and stuff and it helps and it helps the economy of the hobby, all right? So um, speaking of economies, when I think about the pandemic and I think about the fact that I have done very well in the pandemic through not hoarding, not being greedy, um, still giving out a lot and being able to spread it out through cannabis, through jewelry, through the hobby and through other stuff. I haven't at all raped the budget at all. I haven't gone out there and tried to fucking take every single goddamn fucking whatever in, in everything I do. You know, if there's one sanitizer left, I'm going to grab it, you know, but if there's 75 left and I grab 75, come on, man, you're a real piece of shit. Anyways, going on, I use these facial wipes, right? Just to cleanse your face, you know, and it's a lot easier. Usually I do it at nighttime. Um, I wash my face at, in the morning during the day. I might take a shower here and there. And uh, I usually take a shower at nighttime before I go to bed. So I just kind of get, get up and be crisp, wash, you know, wash my face, brush my teeth, boom. But at nighttime, I use these Sephora wipes, these exfoliating wipes and Look, for someone that's almost 48, I'm sorry, man, my skin is pretty good. And it, no one ever tells me I look 40. No one even thinks I look up. No one even thinks I'm fucking 40 or 35, let alone. Now that I have some gray hairs in my beard and my mustache, obviously, yeah. But uh, anyways, I didn't want to use 
the website or anything else. I ran out. I needed to get these Sephora uh, charcoal exfoliating face wipes. And it has coconut water one. And I've been using them for fucking for years now. So I go to fucking Sephora. And there's fucking 25 girls outside. And it's 107 degrees outside. Look, nothing new. But, yo, makeup, the makeup game is crazy. If you see that dude, Jeffree Star, he made like, 50, no, $70 million in the last two or three years off of makeup. You see Kylie is almost a billionaire because of makeup. Rihanna, hundreds of millions off of makeup. One of my old neighbors who I talk about all the time, Tony Coe, she sold her company in like 2012 for $400 million to L'Oreal. All right, makeup game is in fucking sane. If you got some good makeup and you got decent marketing, you are gonna get paid. Just wanna tell you guys, it's just in, just thought about it. Like in the pandemic, Sephora was still busy. Like they weren't her in fucking super sweltering heat. Girls are waiting. And the crazy thing about fucking Sephora is you go in there and your girl goes in there. Please believe she's spending $300 in 10 minutes and it's nothing. And then while she's waiting in line to pay for her shit, they got the little mini goods right at the fucking checkout. And that gets you every single time. It gets me. I got the fucking mini goddamn travel wipes now. And I go in there, my wife's like, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm a pink berry. She's like, what's that sound? I was like, well, babe, I'm inside Sephora. She's getting some wipes. She's like, oh, can you get me something? And she text messaged me some shit for some foundation. Next thing I know, it's fucking 60, 70 bucks. And I get two fucking Chanel lipsticks, fucking another $100. It's like, fuck. So anyways, you think the sneaker game is crazy. The makeup game is a whole different level. So if you can get into that game, shit, I said, highly suggest it. Uh, when I was fucking with Mag Park, real heavy, Mag Park's uh, flagship store is right on Magnolia in Burbank. Right across the street from Mag Park, there was this makeup store. And they don't, they're not even open to the public. It's like, you have to have a makeup license or some shit. And there would be lines outside that were worse than Yeezy lines. Like, it was OG sneaker lines were down the fucking street. It was crazy. And that's why I knew. I was like, yo, man, I wish I got into the makeup game. But I'm not. And too fucking bad. Speaking of makeup, though, hold on real quick before I get into entertainment. I have been spending a lot of time in the man cave. And my wife was like, there's no windows down here. There's nothing, you know, boom, you're down here. Maybe that's why you're getting depressed. And I have been getting random anxiety. I don't know why. Life is good. My kids are pretty happy. You know, I'm making a lot of money. I'm good. And for the most part, just staying inside is driving me crazy. But on top of that, most of the times I'm sleeping down here as well because I record too late, you know, whatever. And uh, so I just started looking up some information about vitamin D deficiency and how it causes depression and um, could fuck with uh, mental illness and things like that. So I went to Amazon and I saw that there was this uh, vitamin D deficiency light. It's like an LED light for vitamin D. It's, it's a bright ass light. And you could take it for 30 minutes a day, 20 minutes. You can go up for an hour and you could test it three different, you know, low, medium, high. And it's like a crazy ass thing. And I've only been using it for 24 hours and I honestly feel more energetic. I feel better. And I hope this shit works. I mean, it's already working, but I, I bought it for a reason. My skin looks better. I don't have these crazy ass bags on my eyes like I did last week. So I don't know, man. It's fucking crazy. Anyways, going on to uh, to shows I've been watching. Um, I stopped watching P-Valley and I stopped watching 90 Day Fiance. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not going to get into it. I just went from having nothing to watch to now there's just like a few things I've been watching, right? So uh, I'm going to get back into P-Valley. P-Valley's gotten super popular now. It's fucking trending number one here and there. I'm going to finish it up. I know the season finale was was yesterday or some shit. I don't know. And the 90 Day Fiance is always going to be good. It's just great. But I've just literally gotten addicted to Dr. Pimple Popper, which is on the same channel as 90 Day Fiance's. 
it's on TLC and it's fucking disgusting. It is 100% gross. I think I made everyone want to vomit that saw my stories yesterday on Instagram. And it's been around for a couple of years, I think. And it's just this uh, Chinese girl who's a doctor. She's a dermatologist and she just pops crazy pimples and like takes cysts out of people's heads and faces and chest and these black kids. It's just, it's fucking gross. I think about it now and I'm like, fuck, I couldn't even eat breakfast yesterday and I didn't really eat much of a lunch, but it's just fucking me up watching that show. It is fucked up. Like it just, it made me literally sick, but I don't know what it was. I couldn't stop watching it. So that's an addicting show. I don't know if you have the stomach for it. Definitely watch that. But I told you guys, watch this new Kiefer Sutherland show, which has been around for two years, but I think the newest season's out. It's called Designated Survivor. And it's about um, this guy who's in Congress or he was a secretary of some shit. And every single person from the vice president, the fucking general, the head of defense and fucking president, everyone died in, a, in an attack, in a, um, a terrorist attack in the Capitol building. And so he became the designated survivor. And because he's a designated survivor, he became the president. And all kinds of crazy shit happens. First season's fucking lit. Second season is, eh, it's all right. I'm hoping the third season is super dope. But uh, first season is, is definitely worth watching. It is motherfucking exciting as fuck. Good show, good actors. Everyone on the fucking show was lit. I liked it. Um, also, what Power, the new spinoff of Power, Ghost, it debuted yesterday. You know what? It's just watchable. It's cool. Um, there's a lot of, you know, I feel like a lot of clickbait gimmick type shit. And uh, I don't know. I'll have to wait and see. This is the first episode. So hopefully, you know, some things happen and it gets better. Um, real quick, man. BBDTC.com, right? Ben bought in the chain. BBDTC.com is where I'm selling a lot of items from my closet. Yesterday, I sold about 15 items from Louis Vuitton, you know, Virgil Abloh sneakers, these LV um, trainers that were 1500 bucks. I sold them for fucking $500. Um, I sold some cause toys. It's probably the last time I'm going to sell toys for a while. One of my chains sold. I'm, I might put up some random jewelry on there for my personal collection of stuff that I wear. And uh, I sold a bunch of fucking items from like Montclair, Gucci, things like that. So every so often go on there, obviously the wallets and the card holders sell real quick, but just know that I delete items that I sell on there. Some things I leave, sometimes I don't, just for own weird reasons, don't even ask. But but if you want to get shit for a really good deal, make sure you sign up for like notifications maybe for, you know, I think Shopify or the website does notifications where when I list something, because I don't even fucking tweet about it. I just put up items, boom, and they just go. So I'll be selling some things there. Uh, lastly, there's been the forever do debate of chains, not regular one-off like, you know, gourmet burger places, but who has the best burger? And I said, is it In-N-Out? Is it Shake Shack? Is it Whataburger? Or is it Five Guys? Personally, I've been to Five Guys three or four times and every single time it was fucking awful. It wasn't like, oh, it's okay, it's a burger. It was just awful. It wasn't good. I had a stomach ache, didn't taste good. Everything about Five Guys was just trash to me. Like now again, I can go to Denny's and get a burger and I won't feel that way about that. For some reason, Five Guys, it just didn't, it, I didn't fuck with it. Been in New York, in LA, in fucking uh, Vancouver. I think I went to one in DC. It's just not popping. I don't fuck with it at all whatsoever. In and out, when I was eating red meat, you know, it's cool. And I get it. I know why people like it. Their fries, just terrible. I'm not fucking with it. But Whataburger, I actually like. I don't know what the fucking deal is with Whataburger. I like Whataburger. Now, Shake Shack, across the board, is off the chain. Burger's great. Fucking chicken sandwich, the best fucking chicken sandwich there is. Vegan is good. Everything's good. But now if you're talking about LA, 
There's just too many fucking places. There's Father's Office, there's Apple Pan, there's Burger Lords, there's fucking Monty's. There's so many insanely delicious, great burger places. There's the Oinkster. There's fucking my favorite burger, which is Golden State. And there's just so many good places, right? So I don't know. Chime in on the fucking debate uh, on my Twitter and everything else. And uh, there was a quote from that TV show, Designated Survivor, that hit me. It hit me different, right? And I want to end the show on that. And the quote was, I just want some semblance of ordinary. Semblance. Didn't know what that word meant before. S-E-M-B-L-A-N-C-E, right? We might have to do some motherfucking... uh, uh, behind the baller, uh, uh, behind the baller vocabulary, all right? But semblance means the outward appearance or apparent form of something, especially when the reality is different, okay? Just a quote that hit me real hard. I, you know, sometimes you know how with my quotes, this is not your practice life, make it a great day. I just want some semblance of ordinary. That shit hit me different. But look, y'all, that is it for this episode 113. Love you guys, man. We're going to keep this pushing until we're at episode 1,000 fucking 500 million. I don't know, man. I'm just, just talking shit. And I love you guys. Please hit that subscribe button. Please tell a friend to tell a friend to subscribe to the show. We'll be back on Thursday, hopefully with Gary Vee. If it's not, it's going to be the show right after that. Thank you guys very much. Yo, Lakey Lake, what's good, bro? Yeah? You a Laker fan? Hi, right, man. Yo, man. Take us out of here, homie. All right, y'all. Peace.